Molly was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew he was dead. Of course he did. Scrooge and Marley were partners for I don't know how many years. Ah, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone with Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. And once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat by in his counting-house, a grim, cheerless place if there ever was one. The door of Scrooge's counting-house was open that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who in a cold and dismal little cell beyond, worked at his ledgers. Twenty-one. Twenty-two. Twenty-three, twenty-six, twenty-nine, nine, twenty-two. Marry, gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Christmas Day. Bob Cratchit. Uh, yes, Mr. Scrooge. Stop that infernal carolling. Yes, sir. Sing nine, Lord Christmas carols at my very door. Go on, get away from my door. Aww. Go somewhere else and bellow your blasted carols. Why, Governor? It's an old custom at Christmas time, you know. Yes, and I don't want any of your old customs. Take your fellow fools and go away. All right, sir. Merry Christmas anyway, sir. Blech. Christmas. Cratchit! Yes, Mr. Scrooge? Now you get that letter from Higgins and Blackthorn, Cratchit. And after that, you can pop over to Parthagill's and tell Ephraim Parthagill you've come after the seventeen shillings and six pence he's owed me since Mitchellmas. Mr. Parthagill's wife has been ill, sir. It being Christmas, sir. Christmas! You mentioned that word to be once more Bob Cratchit, and I'm... A Merry Christmas, Uncle! A Merry Christmas, Bob! Merry Christmas, Mr. Fred! God save you, Uncle! Bah! Humbug! Christmas a humbug, Uncle! I'm sure you don't mean that. I mean just that. Exactly that. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What reason have you? You're poor enough. Well, what right have you to be dismal about Christmas, Uncle? You're rich enough. Now, Uncle, don't be cross. What else can I be when I live in such a world of fools? What's Christmas to you but a time for paying bills without money? Merry Christmas. A time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Uncle! Now, nephew, keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it, Uncle. Well, let me leave it alone, then. What do you want? Christmas gift, no doubt. I came to wish you a Merry Christmas, Uncle. A Merry Christmas! Much good may Christmas do you. <laughs> Much good it ever has done you. There are many things from which I derive good by which I have not profited materially, I dare say, Uncle. Christmas among the rest. But I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. And therefore, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good. 
and will do me good. And I say God bless it. God bless Christmas. Hurrah! Let me hear another sound out of you there, Bob Cratchit, and you'll keep Christmas by losing your situation. As to you, nephew, I wonder you don't go into Parliament. You talk enough nonsense. Oh, don't be angry, Uncle. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why can't we be friends? Good afternoon. I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, I tried. A Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Merry Christmas to you, Bob. And the missus. And a tiny Tim. Oh, thank you, Mr. Fred. Same to you, sir. Good day, sir. And a Happy New Year, too. Bah. Humbug. Nonsense. Twaddled flummery. Talking of Christmas and not two sixpence to jingle together in their trousers pocket. Hey, hey, you there, Bob Cratchit! What are you doing there? I'm only putting a bit more of coal in the fire. You Mr. put Sc- that coal back into the scuttle. A fire. A fire indeed. I can tell you, if you use coal at that rate, you and I will soon be parting company, Bob Cratchit. Do you understand that? There's many a young fellow who'd like your situation, you know. I'm sorry, sir. My fingers are getting a little stiff with the cold. Then put on your mittens. Yes, sir. There's someone at the door. Go on, see who it is. Yes, sir. Good afternoon, sir. This is the firm of Scrooge and Marley? What is it? Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Marley's been dead these seven years tonight. I'm Scrooge. Well now, Mr. Scrooge... At this season of the year, it's only fitting that we who are more fortunate should raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. You may not believe it, sir, but many thousands are now in want of common necessities, and hundreds of thousands are in want of the simplest comforts. Are there no prisons? Well, there are plenty of prisons, sir. And the workhouses? They're still in operation, I trust. I wish I could say they are not, but they are, sir. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigour, then? Both very busy, sir. Ah, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) I was afraid, from what you said at first, that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. No, sir. All these institutions that you mention are flourishing, but it's nevertheless true that some additional provision for the poor and the destitute must be made. A few of us, upon change, are endeavouring to raise such a fund, you see. And uh, what shall I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, I see. You wish to be anonymous, sir? I wish to be left alone. I don't make merry myself at Christmas time, and I can't afford to help make a lot of idle people merry. I help to support the establishments that take care of the poor. Let those who are badly off go there. Many can't go there, sir. And many would rather die. And my advice to them is to do so and decrease the surplus population. Besides, I've only your word for it that all this is so. It's the truth, Mr. Scrooge. Well, so be it, then. It's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon. I quite understand, Mr. Scrooge. Good afternoon. Cratchit! Yes, sir. This way. I couldn't help but overhearing. I, I should like to contribute a toppings. It isn't much, but it's all I can afford. But there's others in worse situations than I. You're a generous fellow. I wish I might say so of your employer. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Cratchit! Y- yes, sir? It's too late to have you go to Parthagills. It'll be closed up for Christmas like these other fools. 
We may as well close up this place now. Yes, sir, it is a little dark. Uh, hard to see the figures. Uh, I suppose you'll want the entire day tomorrow. If it's quite convenient. It's not convenient, and it's not fair either. A fine excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose there's no good talking. You must have the whole day. I'll see that you're here all early the next morning, you understand? Oh, I will, sir. Thank you. Merry Christmas! Ah! The office was closed in a twinkling, and Bob Cratchit, with the long ends of his white comforter dangling below his waist, went down a slide on Cornhill twenty times in honor of its being Christmas Eve, and then ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt to play with his family at Blind Man's Bluff. Scrooge, on the other hand, took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern. Having read all the newspapers and spent the rest of the evening with his banker book, he went to his dismal house. Darkness is cheap, and Scrooge liked it. The yard was so dark that even Scrooge, who knew its every stone, had to grope with his hands through the fog and the frost to find the door. Scrooge walked through his rooms to see that all was right. Sitting room, bedroom, lumber room, all as they should be. Nobody under the table, nobody under the sofa, nobody under the bed, nobody in the closet. He closed the door. He locked himself in. He double-locked himself in. And he took off his cravat, put on his dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap, and sat down before the fire to take his gruel. What? What's that? Something is coming. Something. Some, something is, is coming closer outside my door. Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to part one of A Christmas Carol, and be sure to join us tomorrow night, December 22nd, at the same time for part two. I'd like to send a special thank you out to all of our voice actors and to everyone who helped make this possible. We'll see you tomorrow night, and until then, keep your ears open.